just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Three Questions. I'm your host, Andy Richter. And today, I am talking to one of my favorite, most favorite, favorite, favorite writers, James Elroy. James is a legendary crime fiction writer and a true Los Angeles character. Uh, he's the author of numerous international bestsellers, including L.A. Confidential, The Black Dahlia, and American Tabloid. His latest novel, The Enchanters, is out now. Go get it. I was lucky enough to have James in the studio with me. So here's my conversation with the legendary James Elroy. It's not like a real thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, now, you were just saying you live in Denver. Yeah, I live in Denver. And you're such like, such a, like L.A. and you are almost a synonymous. Like you, your books are almost all L.A. You're from here. You're such a L.A. personality. Yeah. Why don't you live here anymore? Because it's the shits, man. <laughs> I mean, look at it. Okay, well, it's there you go. It's nothing but gangbangers, junkies, winos, <laughs> hopheads, people dying of fentanyl overdoses. Everything is smeared over with graffiti. There's far too many automobiles. There's too much pollution. It but is Denver some, that much better? Yeah. Oh, all right. You got some mountains. Yeah. Yeah, got some streams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you were living in Kansas City for a while, I too, in Kansas, weren't you? I lived in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Suburban and, New York, suburban Connecticut. Uh-huh. I've lived most of the past 40 years away from Los Angeles, my smog-bound fatherland. Yeah. And I grew up on the east edge of Hollywood. Yeah. A mile east of here. Yeah, I know. A little bit south. Because I remember in one of your books, I think it was the one you wrote about your mom, that you used to kind of live in a park. Beverly, on, yeah. On Beverly Third, and Van Ness. Third, and Beverly and Van Ness. Yeah. 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 Which my, my, I used to take my kids to play there. Yeah. And every time I would go, I would think, I wonder where he slept. I wonder up, where, you know. Up against the up against the fence. The back fence. Yeah. And were you the only one there? Yeah. And was homelessness an issue? What, no. what year are we talking about? We're talking about the early 1970s. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nobody, like, you didn't get rousted? You didn't get in trouble, you know? No. I yeah. had a blanket that I stashed. I had my short dog bottle of Thunderbird wine. Yeah. Yeah. It was how long were you, how long was that your, your home? In and out, three years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'll get back to that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, I mean, is it strange for you to live somewhere else and write about Los Angeles? No, or is no. Los Angeles sealed in a time different than now for you? So that's, that's Andy, it's that's well put. Yeah. A, I make this shit up. Yeah. You know, from the gate to the conclusion. <laughs> it's in my blood, it's in my soul. God gave me a certain gift. Yeah. And part of it is to explicate the past. And to rewrite the history of L.A., my smog-bound fatherland. Yeah. And that's what I do. And now, I don't live here. And to rewrite the history, is there a purpose behind it, or is it just because it's fun and it's just what you do? It's a gas. Yeah. Even It is uh, a gas. It's a blast. I history mean, is a blast. I just told you out, out of the studio that, like, I have a, I have a terrible attention span problem, and and I'm, I'm bad at book reading. I read all the time, but I read— Articles. I read, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. articles and newspaper stuff. 
but to read a book is really tough for me. And you're one of the writers that I can really read because it is a gas. It's fun. It's a high to read your books because they're just, they're written in a language. I don't, you know, I don't want to say jazz because that's such a cliche, but it's more like uh, a, a thrill ride, kind of ca- like a car ride. Like a car They're obsessive. Yeah. They're obsessive. Yeah. Men and men obsessively in love with strong women. Yeah. Men out to solve baffling murder cases. Yeah. The language of the nineteen forties, fifties, and sixties. My new book, The Enchanters, is set in nineteen sixty two. I was fourteen years old then. Yeah. I knew shit. For Shinola, except that something's going on here. Yeah. And nobody's telling me the truth about what it is. Yeah. So years later, I realized, well, Elroy, you want to earn a living and have some fun and exercise the gift the God gave you. Why don't you just go back and live in periods of LA's past? And write some books. So yeah. damned, damned if I didn't. And how old were you when you came to that awareness? My late teens initially, uh-huh. and the awareness germinated and mutated over the next 10 years. And I started writing when I was 31. Wow. Now, I mean, you have a very tumultuous childhood that you, yeah. you've written about. Your uh, Your mother was murdered mm-hmm. uh, in an un- still unsolved case, one that you attempted to go back and Yeah, solve. I wrote a book about it, a yeah. memoir. I teamed up with a retired L.A. Sheriff's homicide detective. We got a lot of publicity. We never found a guy who killed my mother. Yeah. And did you ever get any closer to no. it, do you think? Yeah. Nowhere. Do you think it was probably just some random act of violence? You well, know? It, was a sexually, it was a sexually motivated crime. I think she met the man that night or had a slightly pre-existing relationship with him. Mm-hmm. We had a little back house, my mother and I. She was divorced from my old man, mm-hmm. and we didn't have a telephone. Mm. This yeah, is in El Monte, right? This is in El Monte, yeah, yeah in the San Gabriel Valley. Yeah. yeah. Real garden spot. <laughs> um, now, do you think, I mean, obviously, you know, how much? How much are you trying to solve your mother's murder? No, nah, I'm not. I'm You're not. not? No, I'm not at all. Yeah. Years before she died, my parents, way back when they were together in the early mid fifties, they had a whole closet filled with life magazines, going back to the year zero. And I was always looking at pictures of World War II, pre World War II. Yeah. Government investigating committees, crime committees, Japanese internment, all of it. Yeah. That was always it. I've never, I've, I've never had any kind of reading dyslexia similar to what you might be dealing with. I was always a reading mofo. Yeah. <laughs> and were your folks that way, or did, was yeah, it just yeah. naturally they were, built they were into both, it? They were both readers. And my, both readers. My dad taught me to read yeah. when I was three and a half, and wow. it was the only precocity I ever evinced. I could read early. Yeah, yeah. And were your folks out here, what, what brought them out here? Because neither one of them were really from here, right? My dad was, are you ready, in the First World War. Uh-huh. He was three months short of 50 when I was born Wow! in 48. My mother won a beauty contest. It was the Elmo Beauty Products' Most Charming Red-Haired Woman. They sold hair dye. Yeah. And my mother was a natural redhead. There was the gray-haired woman. She won an all-expense-paid trip to L.A. <laughs> and a screen test. Blonde woman, brunette woman. Wow. My mom was a redhead. So she flubbed. She was a registered nurse. She flubbed the screen test that yeah. they gave her. But she got a suite for a week at the Ambassador Hotel. 
And she goes, oh, man, Chicago is cold yeah. right now. And I'm not going back to bumfuck Tomo, Wisconsin. Yeah. Not in this lifetime. L.A. looks pretty good. Yeah. My dad had the same revelation. They're on a collision course. They look good. Yeah. Where'd yeah. they meet? They met. They both lived down near USC. Mm-hmm. My mother's name was Jean Hilliker. My dad was married to a woman named Jean Feast. That's the two genes. And Jean Feast got to be friends with big, rangy, red-haired Jean Hilliker. And my dad traded in Jean oh number one <laughs> on Jean number two. Wow. Wow. I bet the G number one was not real happy about that. No, yeah. no, no, she wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And G number two is my mother. Now, in the early days when your folks were still together, I mean, was there a sense of stability? No. No? Never? No, nah, they were yelling and screaming yeah. and carrying on. My dad liked women. My mom liked men. My old man was briefly, in the late 40s, around the time I was born, Rita Hayworth's business manager. Wow. So when I was 10 How 11, the hell does that happen? Just, well, just he happens? Was, he was a croupier at Agua Caliente Racetrack in the 30s. And Rita Hayworth was half Anglo, half Mexican national. My dad spoke fluent Spanish, which he learned in school. And he was a croupier at Agua Caliente down in TJ. Yeah. I swear to you, even though my old man was prodigiously hung, that (laughs) he did not work at the Blue Fox to supplant the donkey show, which I saw at the Blue Fox when I was 17 years Jesus. old. But moving along. Well, you got to you gotta hit the highlights when you're in TJ. Yeah, yeah. You got to do that thing, yeah, the touristy oh, yeah. things, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and sure. I did. Take I did. the family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go to the and farm. And so they just, they just yeah. hit it off? Yeah, they hit it off. Yeah. And she's like, well, he's good with dice, so he must be good with money. (laughs) Well, the old man told me once, hey, kid, he was from Boston. Yeah. And he had the Boston accent. Hey, kid, I fucked Rita Hayworth. (laughs) I said, fuck you, dad. Fuck you, dad. You did, you lie like a fucking rug. You did. We talked this way to each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You did not fuck Rita Hayworth. Yeah, I was a business manager back in the late 40s. Around the time you were born. <laughs> uh, Ten years after my dad died in 65, a journalist came around who was doing a biography of Rita Hayworth and damned if he was looking for survivors of my own man like me. And he was her business manager. Yeah. So everything he told me, I don't know about the uh, uh, uh with yeah, Rita yeah. Hayworth. I hope it's true. <laughs> maybe Kinda. she, maybe she's my mom. <laughs> I don't know. Well, she wasn't a redhead though. Yeah, she was a redhead. Oh, was she a redhead? Yeah, yeah. I'm th- I might be thinking of another, another woman that your dad fucked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who? My mom? You dog, you. Um, is there is there an escapist element? To like, you know, growing up in that kind of turmoil yeah. and then turn into stories. Yeah. 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 I love to read. Yeah. And here it is. I turned 75 a couple months ago. I can't believe it. Yeah. That I'm that, I'm that old. Yeah. And I got the Robert Kirsch Award for Lifetime Achievement in writing about the American West. Congratulations. The, thank you. All yeah. Times puts it out. And when I gave the speech, I said, I'm just a dipshit kid. Yeah. A God-given talent, and I love to read. Yeah. I still love to read. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of, yeah, worked yeah. out like that? Yeah. 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 Did you feel, I mean, did you grow up feeling kind of rudderless in that way? Because, you, you know, because, you, you know, your mom was gone when you were 10. Yeah. You know, your dad wasn't exactly Ward Cleaver. No. Nah. You know. Nah. So, I mean, were you just left to your own devices? Yeah. Was there anybody in your life that kind of... Was a stabilizing influence or kind of? Oh, well, 
I was a church-raised kid. I was oh, always really? I was always going to church, and I love going to church. Yeah. And I still love going to church. Yeah. yeah. Are you a believer? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I like going to Sunday school. I like going to church. It, uh, it was wholesome. Yeah. And I appreciate, you know, and I appreciated that. Well, I also got, went out and peeped windows and broke into houses and sniffed women's panties and did all kinds of, you know, perverted stuff. Yeah. Passive type perverted stuff. I was never any kind of badass criminal. Right. Yeah. Well, did the church then just kind of provide you with like, well, there is a moral framework that I believe in, but I'm going to live sort of parallel to nah, it. I'm, I'm a typical... We're fallen human beings. It's a yeah. fallen world. We are divided souls. Every man and woman on this earth is a divided soul. We want to do God's will. We want to do exactly what we want to do and say to our most pressing and most perverse desires 24-7. And I was just that way. Yeah. But I had a germ of conscience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, did your dad have that germ of conscience? Did yeah, he, he, had a, he had a germ of conscience. Yeah, too. yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah, yeah because I, I just, you know, from having read the stuff about them, they just they just seem like party people kind of before the curve of party people, at least like what we know in popular culture. Of, you know. they, they, weren't, they weren't particularly outgoing. My dad didn't drink. His ulcer couldn't handle it. Uh My mother was a big booze hound. It led directly to her death. But they weren't exactly party people. They weren't. Nah. Yeah, yeah. So when when are you kind of left on your own then? At what age? You know, you you kind of go after your mom dies. You go live with your dad. Yeah, right. And that's right over here. Yeah, Beverly and Irving. Beverly and Irving. And. What do you? Who takes care of you? Are you going to school? Yeah, I'm going to school. Your dad's doing okay, taking care of you. You think? Listen, listen. Nobody butt fucked me in my crib. (laughs) No, nobody. That is not exactly a high bar. Yeah, like nobody butt fucked me does not in my crib. Like you can't say that if you start. Uh, a babysitting service. Well, listen, <laughs> none of our clients have ever been buttfucked in their house. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, in the alley. No. no yeah, no, yeah. No. I always had three hots and a cot. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, Okay, yeah. the dog wasn't housebroken. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have any friends. Yeah. But I was a reading motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. I love to read. Yeah. And that's how you learn to write. Yeah. You, you're having a blast. Yeah. You're having a blast. You're escaping from the world and you are infusing yourself with narrative. Yeah. You're picking up technique. Yeah. You're, it's a, it's a big, deep process of assimilation. So yeah. I was really going to school, even though I never finished high school. Right. What kind of stuff, what was your favorite stuff to read? Back then. Crime novels. Always crime? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, even from a young... Do you think that was your mother imprinting that? Or, you know, your mother's death? It, it or was, do you think it was pre-existing? Like, you were just a crime-loving little shit? No. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, no, it... I would read boys' adventure stories and sea stories before that. Yeah. I would read the written for young people landmark series yeah. of biographies of inspirational Americans and world citizens. And then June 22nd, 1958, my mother's killed. And my focus zeroes in on crime. Yeah. And that's my sublimated dialogue with my late mother. Yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't grief that I felt on the occasion of her death. It was curiosity. Hmm. How did... This unknown man and my mother converge on this particular Saturday night. Yeah. What if you trace all the links back to the year zero, what are the levels of causation? Yeah. I started thinking along those lines, and I became a dog for all sorts of crime drama, crime TV shows, 77 Sunset Strip, Surfside 6, Bourbon Street Beat, 
all those Warner Brothers TV shows and crime books. First kids crime books, then adult crime books. And then big fucking surprise, I grew up to write them. (laughs) I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a crow? Is there ever a point where you're like, all right, I've had enough crime? No. 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 It just it's an insatiable appetite. Yeah. That's lasted yeah. whatever, 65 years. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have have you ever um aside from your mother's crime, decide had the feeling like you wanted to, you know, be one of those amateur sleuths that helps find the no, no one of those killers. No, ne- just, never wanted to be a policeman. Yeah, never even thought about it. Never wanted to do anything but write novels. Yeah. When you say uh, you mentioned policemen just now, and you have talked often about like your love for police. Yeah, that's my best friend. The man sitting in the other room, Glenn Martin. Uh huh. He's retired LAPD. Oh, he is. Yeah. And um and. But, you know, I mean, you kind of were living on the other side of the police there for, well, during your youth. or Yeah, but listen, shoplifting, petty theft with a prior, drunk, drunk driving, drunken disorderly, resisting arrest. I was arrested for burglary once, but I was just sleeping in a deserted house. Mm. And I also like to tell the story of how LAPD— and uh, Helen Canode, who is my second ex-wife and my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and she's the woman who got me to move back to Denver, but we don't live together. We have two lofts on the same floor of the same building. Right. And it's so you've reconciled, but it's not a marriage and you're living in separate places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. Yeah. I got a key to her pad. She's got a key to my pad. And it works. Yeah. It works. Works yeah. great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Cohabitation is more difficult than monogamy. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But moving along from that, uh, well, oh, yeah. Helen contends that the LAPD were my stern ass-kicking substitute parents mm. in loco parentis mm-hmm. there. That old that old Latin term. Well, they sure as shit kicked my ass on three auspicious occasions. And after the last <laughs> ass kicking, which was in the fall of 1973, as I told the people at Chevalier's bookstore last night, 
I have not stolen so much as a paperclip. Mm. So it worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> like, what are we talking? Like, when you say ass kicking, I mean, is there, uh, what are the injuries? Are you in the hospital after no. these ass kickings? No. Nah. No. Broken ribs? No. Black eyes? Or do they punch you where you can't see it? No, listen. They used to have, LAPD used to have little pocket beaver tail saps. Yeah. And along the right-hand legs of their uniform trousers, they had a little slip zap pocket. And they'd, the first time I ran from a shoplifting arrest outside the Vons Market just south of Beverly and Western, again, mm-hmm. mile, mile and a half yeah. from here. And they chased me. And I thought I could get off the street over at my buddy Doug Weisskopf's place. But they had police cars, and I was on foot. And uh, they ran me up. They got out of the cars and ran me up on somebody's lawn on Beverly and Manhattan. Yeah. Another, you know, yeah, yeah. mile or so from here. Koreatown adjacent. Koreatown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Koreatown now. Yeah. And they pulled out the little sap gloves, and they threw me down. Bop, 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 bop. They bopped the back of my back. Ah, 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 shit. Ah, ah, ah. It only hurt momentarily, uh-huh. and I had some aches and pains. And then they said, okay, Junior, and they're laughing. Are you a minor at this point? No, I'm 18. Okay. Why do you do that? And I said, because uh, I stole a bottle of booze. You know, at the market over there, Vaughn's Market. Uh, no, no, that's the wrong answer. Keep keep going. So it took me about <laughs> 10 tries, and I said, because I ran? There you go. So I never ran yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But you still got you still got your ass kicked a couple more I, times. I, I sure did. I had, what, uh, what happened on time two and three that you get you that, you know? I pulled myself up to my full height. I looked down on the cops and I said, fuck you. Oh, boy. Wrong. Yeah, yeah. Wrong. Yeah. Whap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That third time, not so much as a paper clip. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you still, do you still have that? I mean, well, you you say your best friend is a cop. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, I mean... The LAPD that you write about, too, is, you know, largely fictitious in many ways, but not that far from kind of what the LAPD kind of represented, which for years and years, which was a very white police force. No, I don't. No, no. You don't think so? I don't talk politics with anybody. Oh, all right. So we we got, we we, no. uh -uh. You don't want to go there at all? No. Okay. I ain't going there at all. Okay. Yeah, I ain't going there at all. Well, the best it, the best people I know are Los Angeles policemen. Oh, okay, yeah, because that's, that's my, then I I mean not politically, but do you, are, do you have no moral qualms with like abuses of power? Because that's not really politics. Well, look, look, is look it? at look at what I write about. Yeah, look at the first scene of my new novel. Yeah, the Enchanters. Yeah, yeah. It it just I love it. I revel in it. Would I do it? No. Yeah. Would I and throw you don't a pass kid, judgment would, on would it? I, would I throw a kidnapped suspect off a cliff onto the Pasadena freeway so that his partner being held in the prowl car there will give up the location yeah. of the young woman who's been kidnapped? No, I wouldn't do it. But I sure as shit love writing about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just another divided Christian soul. I am devout. I am God-fearing. I am law-abiding, but I got a wild imagination. Yeah, yeah. And it goes to crime. And you know, and and the day that my mother was killed— and I had an ambiguous relationship with her, even though I was only 10 years old. She was a big, good-looking redhead. I have always liked big, good-looking redheads. Mm-hmm. One can only suspect that the genesis of my affection for big, <laughs> good, 
dad's. Yeah. It's my mom. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden she's dead. So we were over at the El Monte police station and a smiling Irishman type of cop named Ward Hallinan bought me a candy bar out of a vending machine, handed it to me. And I've loved the cops ever since. Wow. Wow. I think that's the moment. Yeah, yeah. Die is cast. Is there, because like you said, you've been on the straight and narrow, Morris. Do you, is there some sort of like wish fulfillment of that kind of freewheeling ability to, you know, be violent when it's necessary and, you know, treat the line of like what the rules are as kind of a, you know, your own sort of, you know, like I a love hopscotch. You can go from one to the other if you, you know, it, whatever's convenient for you. I got my moral aside. It's over here. Yeah. It's judging yeah. everybody. It sees, it judges. I, I have a great speech from John Osborne's play, Luther. I'm, I'm fixated on Martin Luther, mm -hmm. uh, the historical Martin Luther, the theological Martin Luther, yeah. the revolutionary Martin Luther. I had this, yeah, this one speech. of the great rebels of human history. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely one, of the, one of the greatest. And there was ambiguity in Luther and there was hypocrisy in Luther because he was like all of us. He was a fallen human being. And there is the desire to cut loose at any and all time with whomever I want, with whatever chemical substances I can get my hands on at any given time. Mm -hmm. I'm the divided soul. And each and every novelist, man, woman, whatever their racial makeup, ethnic makeup, sexual preferences are, they are divided souls. Yeah. Most artists are divided yeah. souls. So you're trying to have it both ways. I see. You just mentioned substance. And throughout your youth, you know, you talked about that you were you you drank for a long. Are you sober now? Yeah, yeah. Have you been sober for a long time? Long time. Long time. Yeah. And you also you also were doing. So, I, is it Ben's address? Ben's address. I was just I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day about this uh, from reading it in your book, and just that there was. I mean, you explain what Ben's address inhalers were. There, there were little cotton wads. And in like they, where there's Vicks inhalers now, it's like a plastic bullet that right. you snort. Yeah, you know, you yeah. take a big whiff on. Yeah. Now it's just menthol in there. But in those days, it was Benzedrine. It was, it was speed. Yeah, yeah, it was speed. But what I really liked was pharmaceutical amphetamines. Oh wow! Yeah, bifetamine, yeah, yeah. dexedrine, that kind of stuff. So speed. Yeah. What was? Yeah. Is it never, just never stuck a spike in my arm? Yeah. Yeah. Never. No meth. None of that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. No fentanyl overdose. No, no, no. None of that shit. And all I did was was slam the ham. That's all I did. <laughs> he, Playboy he, just made, he just made a jerking off motion for those folks. Slam? If slam the ham is too poetic for yeah, you. Yeah, slam the ham, yeah, choke yeah. the chicken. Sure, sure. Flog the dolphin, <laughs> siphon the python. Right, right. Discipline yeah. the bishop. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, At what point, like, what straightens you out? What, like... I mean, aside from the fear of death, was there a point at which you're like, I got to cut this out, I, or I'm... I'm never going to write a novel. Oh, is that I don't what know, I don't, just I'm, writing? Wow. I had a novel I wanted to write, and I'd never find a girlfriend. Wow. If, if I kept yanking the crank yeah. and looking at Kaya Christian, who was Miss November 1967 <laughs> in Playboy, and still the greatest blonde ever to grace the... The pages of Playboy. All right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, so at what it, you said you didn't start writing until 31, right? Yeah. That, that's when you wrote. Yeah. What were you doing in your 20s, like just for 30? a living and, you know? I was caddying at country clubs. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Bill yeah, Crest yeah. and Bel Air and yeah. holding down crummy jobs and going to jail for various misdemeanors and I mean, it's. It feels like it would be a very lonely existence during that it was, time. It was. Did you have people that cared about you? I mean, was your dad a 
or my presence dad, in no, your life? No, my dad had died when I was 17. My mother oh, okay. was long gone. I had some cousins back in Wisconsin that I didn't see. No, yeah, yeah. No. I had a couple of friends. I had a buddy named Randy Rice, who's a good friend. He died in 18. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did So it was just the idea that I'm going to eventually write these stories yeah. that kept you going? Even like, say, like when you're 19 and, you know, and because you went to the Army for a minute, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Was that just to avoid getting drafted or did you think like this is going to turn me around? I thought it would turn me around. I gotten kicked out of high school. And yeah. my dad, who was dying then, signed for me to join the Army. I see. Yeah. And it just was not your thing. Well, you know, he died while I was in basic training yeah. in Fort Polk, Louisiana. And I had a meltdown. The Army canned me. Oh, wow. Do, do you regret that? Do you wish no. you would stuck around for the no, Army? No. Yeah, it doesn't sound like fun. Doesn't sound like and in you don't 1965. Seem, yeah, nah. you don't exactly seem like you really were into structure at that time either. Nah, yeah. So, well, now when you start, had you were you practicing writing? Like, were nah. you writing little snippets of things, nah. or you nah. just sat down and said, "Here comes a novel," Here, here's and a then novel. just pushed it out. Brown's Requiem, my, yes. very, my first novel, yeah. and based on your caddying experience, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would, and you just told me this because I just want to repeat this that you said that you still. You're not a golfer, but you can still read greens even on TV. Even on TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just something that never left you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't even get the ball in the air. <laughs> even when you were a caddy, you yeah. couldn't? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's always a fun thing with like a caddy, especially like an older caddy. Yeah. To just like, hey, why don't you take a shot? And then they just, you know, yeah. hit it beautifully and land it two, two feet mm -hmm. from the hole, mm -hmm. you know. And you're like, oh, you know. Yeah. Um. When you sit down and you start writing that book, how how does that feel? How do you, like, are you instantly like, okay, here we go, new life, new chat, you know, I'm going somewhere. The outline for my new novel, which I know we'll get to, yeah, fairly, <laughs> fairly soon, because I am on a book tour. Okay. Is 425 pages long. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly where the story has to go. This is a first-person detective novel set in 1962. It involves the Kennedy brothers, Marilyn Monroe, who is just O'Dayed, a television actress I was obsessed with for many years named Lois Nettleton. Patricia Kennedy Lawford, one of the Kennedy sisters. She was the tall, good-looking And you seem one. to have a shine for both. I've taken a shine to both of those women. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They both just did it for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I outlined this book down to the paragraph break. Yeah. And that's how it reads as densely, as complexly as well-layered as it does. I am a plotter. I am a planner. I've never used a computer for anything. I'm computer illiterate. Mm -hmm. I don't have a cell phone. I Helen types emails if a colleague writes to me so I can have an email address and I can send emails that I dictate out. But I've written all my books by hand, yeah. all my outlines by hand. I know how to think. Yeah. I and know how to sustain concentration. Is that a process that was there in the beginning? Yes. And it didn't, it, it hasn't evolved. It just kind of was there and you're like, I got to figure there, this thing out. It was there, I built on it. I see. It was there, I built on it. I know how to sustain concentration. I'm a, yeah. good, I'm a good thinker. Just the process of thinking. Do you get I, do you get stuck often? No, no, really, no, never do. And how and why is that? Why do you think that is? Because the mean, outline, it's a, the outline. No, but it's, I mean, it's stuck in the outline. Like, oh shit, I've painted myself into a plot corner, and what do I do? Or if, if that happens, I know how to extricate myself. Okay. Do you because your books are so plotty, and I also too am like a plot junkie. That's mm -hmm. I need plot. I need things to happen. Like right. uh, you know. That's a special, like I said, about trouble with reading books, like books where it's sort of like, you know, a, 
a quiet story about the emotional evolution of a large family and, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, I don't have time it. for that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. See you on. I need things to happen. Yeah. And do you ever, as you're, as the things are happening, where does character come into that? Do you, you know. It's all outlined. It's all outlined it's too. All outlined. And yeah. it just, and did the character comes through the actions less so than like saying like, well, this guy's motivation is that, you know, he didn't, you His, know, whatever. History is always there. Yeah. There are facts that have to be adhered to. There are facts that have to be distorted. Yeah. What I look for when I do research is blank spots that permit me the latitude to fictionalize. I see. And you do fictionalize quite freely yeah. in these things. Yeah. And so... Is there, do you, like, is there a blend of sort of like because you use so many actual characters and you set, you know, like, you know, in the Enchanters, you know, you have Marilyn Monroe, you know, living in sort of call girl apartments in her early. Is this all stuff you just kind of make up, or is some the, of it based on thing, research? The one thing I never answer is what's real and what's not. I see. I see. I see. I understand. And I. That's a great. Yeah. It's a great policy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. especially for what your work. Yeah. I it, I wholeheartedly endorse it. So. I deal in verisimilitude, and if I can make you believe it's real, it's real. Yeah, yeah. I love it's momentum, Andy. Yeah. It, it's just grab the person by the nuts, by the brains, by the soul, and don't let them go. Yeah. I re I remember when you were a guest on the Conan show and we talked and I was I asked you about I think it was an American tabloid where you had a detail that Howard Hughes, when he was cooped up at the, you know, in the top floor of whatever the hotel it was that he owned, mm -hmm. that they put condoms on the doorknobs. Yeah. And I mentioned that to you and I said, is that a detail you heard? And you said, no, it's just a great joke I came up with. Yeah. And I love that you called it a joke. Yeah. You know, because there is so much in your books that is fun. It's like dark and violent and vicious but it's still kind of fun. And it's, it's men. It's men at their worst. It's men at their most preposterous. Yeah. Doing the craziest shit yeah. on earth. Now, with The Enchanters, your current book, yeah. which is, uh, just is, out it, today. is it just out today? Yeah. Pub Wowie. day. Pub day. Pub Hooray. Day. Yeah. I would have had confetti here for you if I'd known. Yeah. Um, um it, it's very centered on the Marilyn Monroe thing. Mm -hmm. And is that some, is that something like, we always kind of like, I'm going to get to Marilyn Monroe. I'm no. going to get to it. Just, no, I don't like her as an actress, never liked her as a human being, but I love the summer of 1962. And, and explain why. The sixties are about ready to pop. There's it's in the ad campaign. It's in the print ads. It's in the online ads. You mean for your book? Yeah. 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 It's that Rolling Stones line, it's just a shot away. Yeah. Even though that song, Give Me Shelter, is circa 1970. Yeah. It's that time and place. It's the cusp where everything changes. Came undone. Yeah. Yeah. It came undone. So what I do is I anatomize the entirety of the 1960s. I was 14 in 1962 and living down the street here. I remember it very well. I remember the Berlin Wall crisis mm -hmm. from the preceding year. I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis, which came up in October of 62. It's that moment in time. So naturally, you're going to want to have a good-looking blonde woman die. And especially under very ambiguous circumstances, although I will give you this preview, it's no more a murder than... I'm not sitting here in front of you talking to you yeah. right now. She'd been coffin booze and barbiturates and epic quantities for the better part of a decade. It's going to get you sooner or later. Yeah. 
And that yeah. was it. Her number was up. Yeah. But the cast was built in. Yeah. And the paucity of established fact allowed me of great latitude. Mm-hmm. Boom. There you go. The Enchanters. Now, the... Uh- you know the 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 story is uh, told from the perspective of is it Fred Otash? Freddie Otash. Fred Otash, and then and he has sort of a crew of sort of those guys that sort of live on the line of lawlessness and then lawfulness. There's a lot of them are cops, but well, they do sort not, of. Not, he's actually their bitch. Oh really? The Hat Squad. Yeah, Max yeah. Max Herman. Yeah, the Hat Red's, Squad. Yeah, the yeah. Hat Squad. Max Herman. Red Stromwall, Harry Crowder, and Eddie Benson were hard charging, shit kicking, six foot four, two hundred and forty pound robbery cops. Yeah. And robbery division cops were always the baddest ass of them all because they went after guys who carried guns routinely. So mm-hmm. every once in a while, Freddie Otash would get the nudge from Chief William H. Parker. Or Lieutenant Daryl Gates of the Intelligence Division, who would much later be the chief of the LAPD. And then he's got a couple of goons that work for him. Yeah. Freddie does. Yeah. He was a scandal rag verifier of stories for Confidential Magazine. He had all the gay bathhouses hot-wired in case he could catch the boys and trap them, yeah, doing it. At dirt on places. everybody. He had dirt on everybody. He was yeah. the dirt king. Yeah. Is he based on anybody? On himself. On himself. Oh, yeah. is, is he a real? Real life Oh, character. he's a real guy. Wow. Yeah, pretty And is he anybody you knew? Or did, yeah, I yeah. knew, knew Freddie for a, a series of years. Totally unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. Slob. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so all are all the all these guys are kind of based on on real, real cops and real characters. The Hat Squad guys are real. May they rest in peace. Yeah. Freddy's two goons. One's fictional. One is factual. Freddy was factual. Yeah. Some of the Hollywood people, Lois Nettleton, Roddy McDowell, yeah. Marilyn Monroe, Carol Landis, who committed suicide in 1948, factual. Yeah. How do you find out about these people? I mean, there's I not, ju- nobody ju- else just, is writing about Freddie Otash, you know? I, ju- I just know it. You just know it from— I've just been reading. I just have my wedge yeah. in a book all these years. Yeah. And did you—I uh, mean, and do you hear— I mean, because you, like you said, your best friend is now a retired police officer. Yeah. And you know so many cops. Is this also, are you always kind of soaking up info for, info from those guys to kind of yeah, yeah. color things? And, and urban myth. Yeah. Because cops are some of the best bullshitters I have ever met. There are scads of stories pertaining to the LAPD hat squad. Some I believe, some I don't believe, a great many I have utilized. Yeah. And three of the four men went on to go to law school and became lawyers. <laughs> and one man became a county commissioner, and two men became superior court judges. Yeah. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 
Can't you tell my love's a crow? Do you think there's a commonality in the criminal mind and the police mind where they're both drawn to the, they're in the same business. They're just on opposite sides of the same business, kind of. Do you think that there's a commonality in their minds? They are afraid to live the square John life, but most of the cops that I know would deny that. They would. Yeah, I I, I don't want to live the square John life. I've been married a bunch of times. And I don't, no kids. Yeah. No kids. Boy, whew, that is a bullet that I have dodged. You, oh, you, and I knew you, it. Don't, you didn't want to have kids. I don't want to have kids. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, yeah. Do you not want to be a dad or do you no, just, I do, you don't no. like kids or? I like kids okay, individual kids. Yeah, sure. As I happen to me. Some them. kids. That's yeah, always some say. Kids Yeah, are, some kids are yeah, all right. Hey, yeah. Junior, how are you? Yeah. Yeah. But. No, I didn't want anything holding me back or permitting me from living in my imagination, mm-hmm. except for women. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you got yeah. you yeah. got to step out of the imagination every yeah, now. Every, every yeah, every once in a while. Stop yeah. slamming the hammer. You know. Yeah, yeah. Choking the chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pinching the priest. Whatever you know. Yeah, I'm yeah. Making some up. Flogging here. the dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you when you're writing a book. Possibly the most entertaining writer that we have today. Do you want to do more than just entertain? I want to. I want to move, and I want to rip your heart out. Yeah, I want to break your heart. Yeah, this is a heartbreak. This is my best book, The Enchanters, and it's very much derived from my early '60s reading habits when. Uh, Schlock, big novelists like Harold Robbins and Irving Wallace, Mm -hmm. and on the women's side, Jacqueline Suzanne were plying their trade. The Love Machine, The Carpetbaggers, The Chapman Report, The Valley of the Dolls. I used to get them, again, right down the street here, Melrose and Ridgewood at Crown Liquor. Mm. They also had a semi-dirty book rack yeah. that were the equivalent of the softcore porno films mm-hmm. that were on cable TV right. 20 years ago yeah. with Shannon Tweed yes. and Joan Severs. Skinamax, as they Skinamax. say. Skinamax! Yes, yes. Home breast office. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> And that's what this book is. Yeah. It's a book about America on uh, the cusp of the 60s. It's just a shot away. It's about the onset of modernism. It's about social attitudes changing. It's about the body politic, Mm -hmm. you know, in upheaval. And right in the middle of it, a dead blonde and a corrupt private eye. Yeah. When when you're thinking about, like, how does, like, the idea for this book, like The Enchanters, mm-hmm. you're just, you're doing whatever you're doing. When does, when do you start to feel like, oh, I think this book is going to be about Freddie Otash and, and Marilyn Monroe and, you know, like, when does that kind of, and what, what, triggers that I conceived it as such yeah I conceived it as such and then I worked out in the outline process the story down to the most minute detail Mm -hmm. I'm doing two more Freddie Otesh right right all set in 1962 is it four altogether that you're doing three Three. altogether okay Yeah. Yeah. yeah and do you know, like, are there other events, like, you know, because you've touched on, you, you know, like I've said, you know, Howard Hughes, Bay of Pigs, all these different sort of, like, mm-hmm. big milestones. Are there angles, like, you know, are you thinking, like, oh, I'm going to get Khrushchev into the into a book at some point? In the next book? Yeah. Richard Nixon ran for governor of California. Yeah. Up against the incumbent, Pat Brown, who was Jerry Brown's dad. Right. And he lost very badly. Nixon did. Yeah. Well, damned if he isn't Freddie O's sidekick and foil in the next <laughs> book I'm going to write. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, like, are there things left undone that you're working towards that you want to do? Or Yeah, I want to do two more Freddie Otash books, and I want to write a gigantic novel 
VJ Day, August 15th, mm-hmm. 1945, in real time. Mm. Four viewpoints, three men and a woman. Wow. Wow. Why that particular day? I mean, I know it's obvious. It's a yeah. big day. Yeah, it's a but big I mean, day. But why for you? Why is it that day? Well, is I, it- I've written one huge novel in real time. My novel, Perfidia, mm-hmm. largely a book about the Japanese internment yeah. here in California. That's the month of Pearl Harbor in real time, but I want to do one day. Oh, even more specific. Yeah, wow. even more specific. Yeah, yeah. Around the clock. Yeah. And that was a day to party around the clock. Yeah. Yeah. The war's over. Yeah. Do you worry about running out of time? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. s- I'm 75. Yeah. That's uh, why, you yeah. know, I mean, I don't yeah, mean to be you. No. <laughs> like, are you, are you worried about dying? I don't yeah. mean, you know what I mean? But I mean, but I mean, I'm at, you know, like everybody's worried about dying, but n- not everybody has gigantic novels, you know, sitting three gonna, books, three gonna, books away. I'm going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in good shape for a man my, my age. You are. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward for the rest of the ride. Yeah. Do you have a sort of governing philosophy that you share with people? I mean, is there any sort of point to to any of this when you look back on your life and, you know, you kind of feel like what's what he, you want people to w- take away from James Elroy well, as, a, as a thing? Well, this always shocks people. And I, I got some shocked looks at Chevalier's, which, again— Right down the street. Right down the street, Larchmont Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, Larchmont. And uh, I point to the quote, the epigraph from Proverbs, from my book Perfidia, the epigraph from the 31st Psalm for the Enchanters, and how can you write what you do and all the idiot reviewers that are recapitulating the plot or read one of Elroy's books. I feel like taking a shower, you hear that one over and over and over and over again. And I said, I want to be thought of as a Christian novelist. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah. 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 Because what happens with people in my books, what do they search for? Love. Oh, okay. What are they looking I'm glad for? I came on as love. I was In afraid it end. might be, you know, like you Red, know, lawsuits. Redemption. Redemption. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it is. Yeah, it's a cycle of you know sinning yeah. and redemption. Yeah. 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 It's classic, really. Yeah. It's classic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're not, it's, there's not a notion of like, you're not an anarchist. You're not, you're not, you're not, there's not an amoral aspect to all this sin and all this degradation and all this crime and violence and sex. There's a morality to it. There's a morality to it. And it's all in service of God. Hmm. Well, you heard it here first folks. No, second, third, fourth, or fifth. But you heard it here on <laughs> Andy. You heard it here on Pub Date. <laughs> on Pub Date. Well, thank you so much for coming and and hanging with me. Yeah, I had a blast. Thanks. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, because you know you're one of my favorite writers, if not my favorite writer. Um, you know, uh, I, I mean, don't tell Elmore Leonard. Do you like Elmore Leonard? I like the early stuff, and then he got real lazy. Yeah. Real lazy. And he was just in love with hipness. Yeah. And it drove me crazy. Yeah, yeah. But some of the early books, like Swag, mm-hmm. where these two fools in Detroit just decide to become arm robbers. Yeah. And, of course, it all goes to shit. Yeah, yeah. And people start dying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were great. Yeah. Split images, City Prime Evil. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, those, yeah. those books there. Are good, yeah. Late 70s into the mid-80s. Yeah. Yeah, Glitz was good. Well, you got, I mean, you know, yeah, I, uh, but that, just like, like I say, you guys, your writing especially, uh, it's just for me, it's just so much fun. And I, and I am the same way too, you know, even like in my viewing habits, I need some crime. I need, you know, yeah, romance is nice, but where's the crime? Domestic drama doesn't, kids, families, I don't care. 
<laughs> I don't know from families yeah. either. Yeah. But no, I'm a, where's the crime? Yeah. Where's the crime? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming. God bless you, Andy, and God thank bless you for you. having. And uh, and I will be back next week uh, with more uh, of this. It won't be as good as this. Goodbye, everybody. Straight ahead. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco production. It is produced by Sean Doherty and engineered by Rich Garcia. Additional engineering support by Eduardo Perez and Joanna Samuel. Executive produced by Nick Liao, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, with assistance from Maddie Ogden. Research by Alyssa Grawl. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to The Three Questions with Andy Richter wherever you get your podcasts. And do you have a favorite question you always like to ask people? Let us know in the review section. Can't you tell my love's a-growing? Can't you feel it ain't showing? Oh, you must be a-knowing. I've got a big, big love. This has been a Team Coco production. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.